0: Amen. Let's get into the word. We welcome you this morning to the next of the last uh, sermon in the defeating the giant series. This morning, we're going to talk about the cosmic chess game. Someone say the cosmic chess game, the God of mountains and valleys. He's a God that does wonders reading out of first Kings 20 and 28. If you want to turn there or listen to me read, I'm going to read one verse and then unfold the story as we go. Then a man of God came and spoke to the king of Israel and said, Thus says the Lord, because the Syrians have said, The Lord is God of the hills, but he is not God of the valleys. Therefore, I will deliver all this multitude into your hand. And you will know, says the Lord, that I am Jehovah. I am the Lord, which actually means I'm the God of the hills. I'm the God of the valleys. I'm the God of the cities. I'm even the God of Polk County. Come on, somebody. I am the God of all things. Someone say amen. Jeremiah 10 and 6, Lord, there is no one like you for you are great and your name is full of power. Who would not fear you, O King of Nations? That title belongs to you alone. Among all the wise people of the earth and in all the kingdoms of the world, there is no one like you, God. This morning, I'm taking you to a cosmic chess game where Satan is at one side of the universe and God is at the other. Satan thinks... He has a pawn to play, but how many know King Jesus always has the last move? Come on. King Jesus always knows how to counter move against anything in your life. I've never played chess, but I was invited to a championship rook game while I was in Florida against Joni Lamb and Cindy Johnston and Cindy Murdoch. Joni and Cindy Johnston wept and cried until Cindy Murdoch and I laid on the floor laughing as they tried to teach us the strategy of Rook. If you play Rook, I invite you to be my tutor because by the fall, I'm going to beat those people. Come on, somebody. But this is a strategy of the cosmic chess game. Let's pray. Father, we welcome your Holy Spirit here. Speak, sir, speak what only you can into the ears of my brothers and sisters. It is for them that I came today and for your glory. Come, Holy Spirit, let us leave changed. In Jesus' name and everyone said... Amen. Before time began, God had a strategy for your soul, making sure that there would be a way for you to find him in this cosmic chess game, that you would be in relationship with him. That's how much he loved you. I want to describe this battle, and we'll get to our story in a moment, as a cosmic chess game. God on one side, the enemy on the other, vying for you, both wanting you, both of them trying to win you to their side. And God made the first move in Genesis 1-1. And God put out his king, and he created the world, and then he created you in perfect setting by Adam and Eve, in perfect relationship. Then the enemy made a counter move, and he slithered like a snake into the garden, and he caused sin to enter into the picture. Their rebellion and lies and murder separated man from God and it seemed the enemy had won and I say again it seemed that the enemy had won but God never to be outdone already had divine strategy he took Adam and Eve he brought them back together he clothed them with skins of an animal and he said this will cover you until I completely cover you when your seed shall crush his head and his seed shall snap at your heel God said this move will change all eternity and then God said Adam and Eve conceived another child after the murder and mayhem and named him Seth because Seth means appointed another seed how many are thankful when you blew it I know I'm not the only one in the house how many are thankful when you made a wrong turn that God said that's not the last seed Seed you'll ever bring into the earth but God said I will always appoint you another seed and that baby was named Seth and that baby gave birth to a man named Enosh and the Bible said in the days of Enosh men began to call on the name of the Lord again and worship started feeling the earth. Come on, somebody. I love it that Jewish historians believe that Adam was very depressed and he hid in caves in his depression and one creative Friend of mine, John Bevere says that maybe Enosh went to Adam and said, Papa, Papa, tell me about the day when you walked in the cool of the evening, Papa, tell me what it was like. And Adam didn't want to talk about it because he felt like he had lost it. But all of a sudden this young grandchild opened up this grandfather to talk about the biggest failure and the biggest turnaround. I'd love to believe that's the way it happened because men began to worship. Aren't you thankful in the time that you and I were hidden in a cave of doubt or depression that some Enosh walked in on us and said, Let me remind you, you used to walk with God. You used to talk with God and those days will return. Somebody give the Lord a shout of praise in this house. Then the devil made another move on the cosmic chessboard sin and rebellion began to rise. It caused the entire earth to be full of sin. And God looked like he was outdone. But God said, I'll never be outdone. And he raised up a Noah. And Noah built an ark, not even knowing what an ark was. Noah did not completely get it, but he did. And one man's obedience preserved the generation upon the earth of mankind. You are here today because of Noah's obedience and because of God's mercy. Can you give him a praise today? And I wonder, Noah, men and women in this room, who can you preserve? through your obedience? Who can you preserve through doing what God has called you to do? But the enemy made another move and rebellion entered back into the earth. It spread across the earth again but our God would never be undone. The God of the unlikely looked at an angel on the front porch of heaven and said I'm going to choose a man. And who? I'm going to go down to a little town that's full of heathens. Oh Lord God don't go to a town full of heathens. Oh yes I'm going into a town full of heathens there's a man named Abram in the country of Ur and I'm going to raise him up I'm going to change his name I'm going to change his destiny I'm going to send him to a new place and I'm going to create my people the people of Israel and I'm going to bless them and protect them and bring favor upon them and you and I were grafted into that great nation and if the enemy has tried to convince you you are not Bless, let me say over you what I sang in the spirit this morning. The Lord has blessed you. The Lord will keep you. The Lord will make his face shine upon you. God moves the chess player and he says, checkmate devil, because I'm going to bless my people. Somebody give him a praise then the enemy made another move and God's people went down into Egypt into slavery and it looked like they were done for sure the taskmasters were saying to them bow down bow down that we can walk on you like a road bow down they were in chains and in slavery but then God said to an angel on the front porch of heaven I'm going to raise up another man of God I'm going to make another move and God raised up Moses from the basket in the bulrushes he was raised as the Prince of Egypt and at the right time God moved and Moses weak at 80 years old leaning on a cane went to Pharaoh and said let come on let My people go, and 10 plagues and 40 years, they made it into the promised land. But first they were trapped in the valley near Parai, with the sea behind them. And it looked like again, and God caused Pharaoh to chase them. And it looked like again, the king had lost his move. But all of the sudden, God said to an angel on the front porch of heaven, I'm going to do something I've never done. What are you going to do, most Most high God? He says, I am going to do something you've never seen. I love a God in the cosmic chessboard of your life and my life that still says, I've got surprises up my sleeves. You think you know how I'm going to move, but I'm going to tell you, I am the God of the impossible. Will you give him a praise in this house this morning? Hallelujah. And this is how it says in Psalm 77. Oh God, your ways are holy. Is there any God as mighty as you? You demonstrated your awesome power among the nation. By your strong arm you redeemed them. When the Red Sea saw you. I love the way the psalmist. See, you got to read all the Bible. Because here's a psalmist giving you a picture you've not seen. Oh God, when the Red Sea saw you, the waters looked and they trembled, they quaked, and they pulled themselves back. The clouds poured down rain, the thunder rumbled in the sky, your arrows flashed, and you led your people through a pathway in the sea that no one knew was there. I'm going to tell you. Checkmate, says the Lord. And checkmate, when you think there's no pathway forward, God says, I will make a road in the wilderness. Somebody give him praise in this house. Hallelujah. Give him a shout of praise, and I'll calm down a little bit. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Then 40 years later. They came into the promised land, marked by God's presence. Finally they were where they supposed to be, but the enemy came in and he caused them to rebel once again. And it looked like God had no moves, but our God has more miracles up his sleeve. And God brought a Ruth, a heathen Gentile, and married her to a man named Boaz. She came from loss and chaos like you and I. She came from trouble and tragedy. But together they came, and they had Obed, and then they had Jesse, and then they had a little boy named David. And with that one move, the enemy didn't even know it, but the ultimate checkmate was already on the way. For out of the lion of the tribe of Judah would come one one named King Jesus. And the checkmate would be for all eternity. Let's give him a shout of praise in this house. And then God's people got into slavery. The enemy came in. He counter He got them away from God. They were carried away to Babylon and to Persia. And all of the sudden, it looked like there was no hope. But God had a counter move. God had a king. And God said, Checkmate again. I have a man named Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego. They will not bow. Daniel will stand to see the fulfillment of the prophecies of the Lord when nobody believes. Checkmate because they're going to show you that I am the God of the valley and the mountain. I am the God of sin and of blessings. I am the God who heals sin and brings blessings. Somebody give Jesus a hand clap of praise. And God checkmate with a woman named Esther... The God of the unlikely said to an angel on the front porch of heaven, I know who I'll choose. Who will you choose in Persia? I'm gonna choose an orphan girl. I'm gonna choose a woman to declare because eventually a woman will declare when my son is resurrected. And I'm gonna bring a woman to the forefront. And God raised up Esther, but then the gallows were built by old Haman's hand. And it looked like the people of Israel will be taken out again because the enemy did a counter move. But then God did a checkmate. And he exposed the evil demise of Haman. And Haman was hung on his own gallows. I'm thankful to a God that says, I am Gamola, which means I am the God of recompense. That's when God says to you, step back, Esther. Step back, Daniel. You've done all you can do. The God of recompense is coming into this situation. And the God of recompense, Gamola is his name, is going to turn this for his glory. Give Jesus a hand clap. of praise! Come on, come on, and we're gonna leave that cosmic chess game for a little bit and go to where God was countermoved by the enemy in the book of First Kings, where I read. It started with a king of Syria. Hey, Ben Haddad. Everybody say, Hey, Ben Hadad! Say, I'll never forget Ben dad. because he was the evil king of Syria. And in this passage of Scripture that I read to unfold the story, he comes in this cosmic chess game to the king of Israel, and he says, I have allied 32 kings against you. Have you ever noticed your enemies don't like each other until they dislike you? Come on, somebody. They don't like each other until they dislike you. Through 32 years of pastor, I would have some worship team members that hated each other until they hated me together. Come on, somebody. Then they loved each other. And that's all good. That's all good. Gamola, the God of recompense will take care of it. 32 kings aligned themselves against him with horses and chariots they made war and king of Israel began to be a subservant because you will always become to a subservant to what you allow and so ben hadad said to the king of Israel the king of Syria said to the king of Israel all oh, your silver and gold are mine and i'm not just i'm coming for your silver and gold cuz you're my servant And then I'm going to come for the best of your children and wives. One commentator said, because this was old Ahab, that Ahab didn't fight this because he wanted them to take Jezebel. Come on, somebody. Just throwing that in there. The best of your children and wives. I'm going to come for them. I'm going to tell you something. Don't compromise or consent to the enemy. Sometimes we think if we just give a pound of flesh, if we just give in in this area, in this area of addiction, this area of fear, this area, and we just give a little bit. But I'm going to tell you something. You give an inch, the enemy will want a mile. You say, it's okay if I just make peace with this struggle wanting to drink myself crazy. It's okay if I make peace with this. It's okay if I make peace with this addiction. It's okay if I make peace with this anger, this insecurity. It's okay that i I make peace with it. I'm tired of wrestling against it. But I'm going to tell you something. It never stops there. Your enemy will come for more and more and more and more. But Jesus says the thief comes to kill, to steal, and destroy. But I have come to give you life, Pastor Ramon, and life more abundantly. Can you give him a praise in this house this morning? And that's what happens this king of Syria says, now that I've gone to get your silver and your gold and your best of wise, I'm now going to send my servants and we're going to go through your houses. See, it didn't stop there. We're going to go through your houses. And he even gives them a time, about 9 o'clock tomorrow. Don't you love The enemy tries to give you a time. I'm coming for you at 9 tomorrow. We will take every valuable in your house. And actually, the Bible says, everything that is pleasant in your eyes. See how the enemy gives away his hand. Everything that is pleasant in your eyes, everything that you love, we're going to take it and put it. In our hands. I'm going to tell you something. You better draw a line in the sand. Against your adversary. Because he's going to cross every line. Of appeasement you make to him. At some time you have to stand. And say. I'm not letting this go any farther. I belong to the God. Of the mountains and the valleys. Fight me in the valley if you must. But I'm going to merge with victory. Somebody give the Lord a hand clap of praise. And then they begin a war of words. And Perry, I'll let you take that part and preach it sometime because it's just fun. I mean, it's like, don't count your chickens to your hatch. You mean, the two kings just keep swiping words like that's going to solve anything. It's a lot of great one liners that go on. And then finally, there's the first battle. Everyone say the first battle. And interestingly enough, as we move along, last week we were in First Kings 19. And that's when God told Elijah, I've got 7,000 that have not bowed to Baal. You think you're the only one holding this thing up? You are not the only one, God says in His great mercy. And in this chapter right here, the Bible says the king of Israel went out to meet the king of Syria and he had leaders of the provinces, young leaders, but with them were 7,000. Is it a coincidence? Most historians don't think it is. It means that God was showing, I told you, you're not alone. And now I'm going to show you you're not alone. I'm telling you this morning when the God says to you, you are not alone but you're in the midst of the battle. When God says you are not alone and you're in the midst of a trial, there's going to come a moment you're going to see the glory of God move in. You walk by faith for a while but then God says you don't have to walk by faith. I'm going to bring a visible glorious demonstration that there are more for you than there are a Against you. Somebody give a shout to God this morning. Hallelujah. 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 I love that. And that's when one guy said to the king of Syria, You know their gods are the God of the hills. They beat you because it's the God of the Hills. Therefore they're strong. Let's meet him in the plain. Let's take our best soldiers. And so Ben-Hadad drew the conclusion that God of Israel was a God of the hills and that Israel must be fought in the valley, that they must be. But you see, here's the thing. They served many other gods. If you don't know this, the Shema, what in Israel, Deuteronomy 6 and 15. Hear, O Israel, that the Lord your God is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your strength you see Israel had one God the gods in the world go study it if they wanted to have a child they had to go worship at the God of fertility and then if they needed money they had to go find the God of money and then if they needed victory in battle they had to go the uh, find their God there and then that means this morning you'd have been worshiping in 75 different places you'd have been running over to the God of fertility if you want to have a child not me if you wanted to have God to bless your plains you'd run over here if you wanted this or that. You have to go find the God that met that situation. You see they built these gods with human hands. In Jeremiah 10 Jeremiah says they build their gods. They go into the forest that God drew the t- grew the trees. Come on somebody. They cut down the tree. They decorated it with hair. They put a little silver on it. Christine when she was a little girl we were walking through southeastern Salvin. she had a friend that their parents worshipped Buddha and she knew that. She was only about four and we passed a big Buddha statue and I, I. everyone started laughing I didn't know anybody I turned around and she had taken both of her fingers in her ears and her tongue out and was doing this at Buddha what she was saying I just laughed I said you go baby you go what she was saying is you are just a wannabe God and you see they served all these different gods and Jeremiah said you cut the tree down you form the God with your own hands oh listen because some of us do this ourselves you decorate it and you bow down to it but those idols Jeremiah said they can't walk and they can't speak they have to be carried so this morning I'd have to bring my God of a blessing my money and set him right here then I'd take my God of getting me through the trial and I'd set him right here why do I want to worship something that cannot walk on its own why do I want to worship something that is a wannabe God why do I want to worship the spirit Spirit of the age, our money, our the ways of man. When you and I are called to worship one God, he is all-inclusive. He is all-powerful. He is all-glorious. He is almighty. Somebody give him a shout of praise this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I love it. It says there is no one like the God of Israel. He rides across the heavens to help you. Across the skies in majestic splendor, and underneath you are his everlasting arms. I love that my God is Jehovah Sin the God of my righteousness, Makadesh, the God of my sanctification, my Rapha, my healer, my Roha, my shepherd, my Jira, my provider, my Shalom, my peace, my Shama, my absolutely presence, my mala, which means recompense. I love that there are so many names of God. I challenge you start a study and you'll still be studying it come December but your God doesn't have to be carried he does not have to be built he came into by his own self and by his own self he rules with power somebody give him a shout this morning hallelujah and God said I'm going to show them this is the part where I was slow down and it gets a little personal And Josh would play, but his children are sick. He came, was so obedient. And we've got some music for the end, but he had to leave. God says, I will show you that I am the God of the mountains and the valleys. And I will show people who I am in your valleys. You know, mountains are easy. We don't need it quite right. I'm sorry. Just a little bit more time, Austin. He's the God of the mountains, meaning he's the God of celebration, he's the God of awesome presence. He's the God when you're soaring like Isaiah 40 and everything's going so great and the wind of the Spirit is picking you up. I love seasons of soaring, don't you? You build a cake, it just stands right up. You give a word of prophecy and someone says, I thought I was not going to live until you spoke these things to me. Come on, somebody. I love it. You're working on your your car and it just gets right there. You solve problems in quick time. That is soaring. That's the mountain. That's when you've left a great service or sermon and you just feel on top of the world. But the valleys are the hard times the troubled times the time when you feel like that other line of isaiah 40 you're walking and barely not fainting anybody with me seasons that you get in bed at night and you look at your the lord or you look at your spouse wherever you are or whatever and you say i don't even know how i made it through this day can i get a witness i don't even know how i survived this day all i know is i lived but i am barely walking and not fainting i'm discouraged i'm heartbroken temporary things, physical, emotional. I know the Lord is with me, but I'm in the valley. I'm going to tell you something. The world and the adversaries did not expect God to meet his people in the valley. And the world doesn't expect it when you go through a valley. Just a hard time, trouble, just, just a hard time at work, a hard time with your family. But this has been the pattern of God through the ages. We know we are merely passing through. Everyone say passing through. Passing through the valley. We're just passing through. We don't stay there. This beautiful picture that I have this morning is my beautiful granddaughter. She's in the lobby of of Grady Hospital. And Pastor Connie took this. There was no lights, as Pastor Connie said yesterday, no bells and whistles. Her daddy was a few floors above fighting for his life unconscious where we were fighting with him. But down there with no music, no fog machine, no instruments was a little girl with her hands uplifted worshiping. Did she understand the weight of what her daddy was going through? No, but that child likeness said, I know that the adults in my life are going to take care of me, and they seem to be trusting a God that is bigger than me. They seem to be trusting a God who knows how to checkmate when the enemy comes in. Come on, somebody. I'm going to tell you, the world doesn't expect you to worship in the valley, but the Bible says those who sow in tears shall reap with joyful singing. And This is interesting. Johnny and I sought this out and we were having some devotion together. He who goes back and forth weeping, carrying his bag of seed. And Johnny and I said, that's us. It reminds me of that Wednesday night that we looked like that when I had to come here and tell you that your beloved founder of this church that afternoon had gone into heaven's gates and I had to come here. We were going to pray. But after I broke that news, you remember if you were here, we worshiped for an hour. We kept carrying our seed in time of discouragement. You see in the valley you keep carrying your seed. You're crying. You're hurting. Whatever you're going through right now. But you keep showing up in church. You keep showing up at work. You keep trusting God. And you keep spreading the seed. Because you know he's not just the God of the mountain He is the God of the valley. Somebody praise him this morning. The enemy doesn't expect that and it says they will come back with their sheaves with a shout of joy. Today all over the world people have lifted their hands in the underground churches and the persecuted churches. They have worshiped for fear of being taken fear of being exposed fear of being killed in some of the worst communist countries but they have keep bringing their seed oh America church American church we've got to keep being faithful can I get an amen the enemy didn't know that Job survived the valley and kept his trust in God and the restitution of God gave Job the whirlwind I mean he lost his children he got 10 more but he lost those he lost his house he got a new house but he still lost those but the Bible says that the restitution my a paraphrase of God said, you've got to give him back. Restitution is paying you back for what you suffered, giving you the glory. The Bible says the glory shall be equal and greater than the suffering. Can I get an amen? And the restitution of God said, I'm going to give Job something that no one else has received yet. I'm going to visit him in a whirlwind and he's going to stand and say, I know that my Redeemer liveth and he shall stand. Stand upon that day in the valley. God's presence is known. Somebody give a shout to Jesus. David crossed the valley of Kidron. I love it when we visited that Pam and Perry. He crossed Kidron when Absalom took over the throne. David often reminds me of my husband. Through all the years, he would just say, this church belongs to God. If it stays in our hands, it stays. If it doesn't, it belongs to God. I would look to him and say, are you crazy? He said, no, this is the way it started and this is the way it shall end. In the hands of God. Can I get an amen? And David crossed the valley of Kidron with something over his head, barefooted, which showed the weeping. The Bible says the people were wailing so loudly because he was leaving the throne. But what he said, if this belongs to me, God will give it back to me. I'm going to let God do what he sees fit. Because I know I'm just passing through this valley. Do I have a David this morning that says, I'm just passing through. Let God do what he sees fit. Somebody give the Lord a hand clap of praise because Psalms 30 and 11, you have turned my morning into dancing. You have put off my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness. Isaiah 61 and 3, he has comforting all those that mourn in Zion. He is giving beauty of ashes for the oil of joy. He uses our life as a platform to show other people what he can do in our life. One of my daddy's favorite stories, I, I, every time my daddy preached, Brother Perry, my sister and I, we'd grab our little arms and our little big dresses. That's why I dress up so much. My parents dressed me up from the time I was a baby. And we'd go down to the altar. And after church, daddy Say, what was y'all coming down the aisle for? I said, I don't know, Daddy. I think I got saved. He goes, well, you got saved last Sunday. I said, I know, Daddy, but it felt so good. I think I need to do it again. (laughs) He said, okay, baby, you just keep coming. So there my sister and I would go. We'd get so moved. But one of my dad's stories of a man that he knew that pastored a small country church. And he and his wife had been believing for a child And the community, some of them didn't like him. He was such a man of positiveness, a man of love. But you know, haters going to hate. And uh, they had a baby in a small hospital. The baby was born. At that time was what was a death sentence. Wouldn't be today with Down syndrome. And they had this little baby, and their hearts were broken because they so believed this baby. They didn't even know if the baby would live. And the father went to use the switchboard. At that time, they had uh, party lines. You know what that is? And there'd be an operator, and she'd connect you and listen in on your conversation. Come on, somebody. And she saw the the phone call be placed from the hospital. And she thought to herself, I'm going to listen in to this call. Now I've got that little pastor. Now I've got that little do-gooder. Now I've got that little positive man that's always preaching love and kindness. I'm going to hear him curse his God When she tapped into the line, the pastor called his mama, and he said, Mama, I've got the best news in the world. We have had our baby. Mama, you won't believe how beautiful he is. Mama, we have been trusted with an angel from the throne room. Mama, we have been sent a servant. We can't believe how blessed we are. Whether we have him for a day, or a year, our God is faithful, and our God will sustain us, and our God will be with us till the end. That operator took the thing out and wept like a baby she went to that pastor's church that Sunday night she with 30 other people from the hospital gave their lives to the Lord cause in the valley they saw a man of God say God is still with me somebody give him a praise in this house hallelujah one of my favorite stories that's why I kept getting saved brother Perry Corey Ten Boom, World War II, hid the Jews from the Nazi, as you know. Then spent her years in Auschwitz for doing the right thing. She said, there is no pit so deep that God is not deeper still. She said, in the valley, he's beneath it. He's below it. He's in it. You'll never know Christ is all you have until Christ is all you have and that he is all you need, the valley of suffering, the valley of acor, the valley of trouble. We've all had it. I love at the top of Hosea 2 what it's going to tell you because Achan sinned. I can't preach that. And it was a valley of trouble in acor. It was a terrible situation. It was stained. I don't know about you if you've ever had a day that felt stained, a season, a year. And God says at the top of that chapter, the Lord says, Mercy will now be shown. I don't know at any moment of your life when you just says, God, say, mercy. I remember when Pastor Billy Burke said, I had a vision and an angel of mercy is on its way to you many years ago, and I saw that fulfilled as God turned a battle at the gate and exposed the enemy. I'm thankful that God knows how to send an angel of mercy. God knows how to send mercy. Somebody give him a praise in this house. I never saw that till this early this morning. But there in Hosea 2, the Bible says, the Lord says, I'm going to I'm going to lure. I'm going to draw Israel to the wilderness to destroy her because she's done so many bad things. No, I'm going to speak kindly to her in the valley where she had trouble I'm going to give her back fruitfulness. I'm going to give her vineyards. Where she's had trouble I'm going to give her a door of hope. This is a God who takes what was evil and turns it into good. You see this is a God who says I will take the lowliest places in your life that broke your heart loss on all times that terrified you. I'm just coming through one of those seasons. You felt maybe abandoned at times or disappointed but God says I'm going to open up a door of hope. I know this is not the way you wanted this to happen. I know Oh, this is not what you desired. I never, Joni and I always say, should I never wanted to be over Day Stars. I never wanted to be over Church of the Harvest. But here we are and appointed to do it. Can I get an amen? But God says in every season of disappointment, Tikva is the word for hope. It's a cord that attached to things we long for. In the midst of fear, in the midst of loss, in the midst of us losing our angel, God gave us a hope, a rope hold and said, take hold of this rope and let the Redeemer of your soul claim the restoration let him continue to pull you to the door of hope may you and I say with Israel on the mountains I will bow my life to the one who set me on the mountain but in the valley I will lift mine eyes to the one who sees me there when I'm standing on the mountain I know I didn't get there by myself when I'm walking through the valley I'm gonna remind my You are just walking through, and I am not alone because He's the God of the mountains and He's the God of the valley. Somebody give Him praise! Hallelujah! Another valley the enemy forgotten. I'm gonna move on to our ending is the Valley of Jezreel, which is the Valley of Triumph. It's located in Mount Megiddo. Where's the word we get Armageddon? You see, the last battle between God's people and Satan is gonna occur in a valley too. Just to show the enemy wrong, God's going to fight it in a valley. He's going to repeat his triumph, his victory for his people. John the Revelator says it in Revelation 19, and I saw heaven open and I saw a white horse and he who sat upon it was called faithful and true his eyes were like a flame of fire he was clothed with robe dip in blood and his name is called the word of God he had a sword out of his mouth that would strike the nations and behind him came the armies of heaven which will be all of us that have gathered with him on white horses and they rode down into the valley and the beast and Satan gathered the armies and the kings of the earth and they went to make war against the king. But the king of kings and the Lord of lords and the armies of heaven did the ultimate checkmate. You and I will see it. And destroyed the beast and destroyed the enemy. In the valley, he brings victory. Somebody praise him. So back to king of Israel and king of Syria They came for the ultimate fight. And it says that Israel showed up like two flocks of goats. This was not a compliment. <laughs> and Israel looked like two flocks of goats. Wow. That's how I, Yeah, thank you. That's how I feel most of days, like a little flock of goats. They camped seven days opposite each other. But on the seventh day, Israel rose up. And in one day, they killed a 100, 100,000 of the Syrian army. And God showed them, I am the God of the mountain, and I'm a God of the valley. Can you say amen? Now, if you'd bring that music, going back to our cosmic chess game, the end of the Old Testament, there was 400 years of silence, and all history waited to see who would make the next move. Everybody was silent. The enemy was on one side, God on the other. And for all time, history is sitting in silence of 400 years, and nothing seems to be happening. Then the New Testament opens up, and God makes his ultimate move. And a baby was born in a manger. The enemy never thought the baby would be born in a manger but he was. The baby. The enemy made another counter move and they started searching for all the babies and God said, I got this. And he moved his son to Egypt through a dream and he counter moved. Then there was a picture of one more move that Jesus would go to Calvary, that that would be the ultimate move. And at Calvary, the religious and the Pharisees sat around casting lots on his garments. They pierced his hands. They pierced his feet. They said, if you'd really the son of God, he would have come down. And he didn't. No, he didn't come down because he was the son of God. He stayed and they rejoiced and hell rejoiced. As Pastor Hank used to say, there was a party going on in hell with devil food cake and deviled eggs and all other kind of things. Thinking they had won it all and they were cheering. But then God said, just about the time you think you have done the ultimate checkmate, let me tell you something. And that early morning, the exousias, the dunamis in the Greek power of God went and resurrected by the Holy Spirit Jesus out of the grave and to the right hand of the Father the ultimate checkmate somebody give the king worship this morning somebody give the king worship hallelujah and this morning if you're sitting here and you're wondering about your life and how God's going to move it I'm going to get a couple of people to help me this morning and they're going to come take their seats To represent a picture. A man dressed like a king. To represent the kings of the earth. And the devil. And they're going to take their seat. At this cosmic chess game. To display some things. I think sometimes we wonder. God what move do you have for me. I don't feel it in the shout. I don't feel it in my hope. And the Lord says. If you believe I'm sovereign. I hear the spirit of the Lord say this morning. If you believe I'm in control then hold on to everything I've spoken to you. Hold on. This is to reenact a picture. When I was at Lee University sitting there divorced, Pammy, sitting there, everyone thinking, bless her heart, maybe God will make her a street sweeper. She should have been a preacher, but she's got a big S scarlet letter on her. As you know, people put tracks in my box highlighting how I was going to go to hell. I never wanted that divorce. But people were very religious and ugly. But there was a lot of great friends, too. Don't misunderstand. But sitting in a chapel one morning, sleepy, needing to go take a test, Dr. Paul Laverne Walker took the podium. He told this illustration, and inside my heart, just the way when they'd bring Spanish interpreters, my spirit would just sleep. I didn't know I'd travel to other nations and speak with interpreters. But my spirit just leaped inside of me when he told the story. When I became a co-pastor here 32 years ago, I wrote Dr. Walker and said, would you please give me that story again? Now you can find it online. But he said, thank you for reminding me. But if you know anything about the game of chess, you know it all comes down when the king on either side can move no more. Once the king is trapped, the winning side declares checkmate and the game is over. There is a painting that's once hung in the Louvre Museum we actually have a rendition of it today, painted by Friedrich Wright. Today, this painting is popularly known as Checkmate. It's now in private hands because it sold in Christie. I must look up how much it sold for in 1999. The painting depicts two chess players one is Satan, who appears arrogantly confident, the other player is a man who looks forlorn. If Satan wins, he wins the man's soul. According to legend and fact, the story goes like this. A chess grandmaster visited upon this intriguing painting in the Louvre Museum, alongside other famous art like the famous Mona Lisa. The grandmaster stared at it a long time, and his friend kept saying, We need to go. We need to go. No, 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 no. There's something wrong with this picture. He kept staring at the chessboard and the painting and finally noticed something so surprising. You see, the man is distressed because He feels like the enemy has him and he's checkmated and his king is trapped and his king can move no more. Finally, his friend said, we've got to go, they're closing down the museum. He said, I must go home and ponder this. That night he worked it in his brain because he was a master strategist having beat almost everyone in the world at that time at chess. And he finally woke up the next morning and he said, I've got to speak to the curator. I've got to speak today to the one person in charge. And he said to them something surprising. He said, you see, this is wrong. Because the man has, the king has one more move that he doesn't see. But the enemy has intimidated him. I wonder before we finish this, how many times you felt like the enemy has intimidated you. How many times you felt like he has made all the moves. And you don't have another counter move. But this man said to the curator the king has one more move. I wonder in times that you were going through valley, that you were going through trouble, that you were going through addiction, and the enemy kept moving the pawns all across the chest, and he thought he had you, and in distress and in perplexity, you said it's over. But I believe it was the Holy Spirit, like the grand chess maker, that said, don't give up. The king, Jesus, always has one more move. If you believe it, stand all over this house and praise him. Come on, stand all over this house and give him a shout of praise. Right where you are. Hallelujah. The king always has one more move. So this morning in this prayer time, we're going to encourage you to pray with each other. We've got Brenna Waddell singing Holy Ground since our team can't help us. That's okay. But I want you to pray for someone's destiny. He is the God of the hills and the valleys. He's the God of the valley where the enemy doesn't expect you or the world to keep worshiping, to keep believing. He's the God of the victory. He's the God that doesn't have to have 17 representations that we have to build out of hands to show Him. He's God all by Himself. And He's here for you to do wonders. I want to believe for miracles. So as we begin this, I'm just going to ask you to grab someone's hand. I'm just going to ask you to pray all over this sanctuary. And I want you to pray for that person's destiny. I want you to pray for whatever they're in right now that they'd be encouraged that the king has one more move. Father, in the name of Jesus, we hold this hand today. We believe, Lord God, that you are able. God, when it looks like we're backed up against the wall, when it looks like there's no hope, Lord, we thank you that you've always got a counter move. We thank you you've always got power in your hands to do the impossible. We praise you today and thank you that you are the God of the mountains and you are the God of the valleys.